Welcome back, film friends, to Off to the Movies, the Oxford Film Festival podcast. I'm your host, Matt Weimer. I'm really excited today. We've got a great show for you. We're visited with four filmmakers, and they're going to talk about animation. Uh, we're talking about the technology that they use to create their animated films. We talk about the cartoons that inspired them to be animators, and where we think the next step for animation will be. So join me and my co-host Melanie Addington as we talk about all this and more right after these messages from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the Mississippi Arts Commission, funding the arts throughout Mississippi. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the Powerhouse and the Yaknapatapna Arts Council, powering the arts throughout North Mississippi. Welcome back. Our first guests are from the film Dick Picks, and they are Russell Schaefer and Hannah McSwiggins. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Hi. for having us. <laughs> Could you tell me a little bit about your film Dick Picks and the style of animation that you use to create it? Yeah, so the, the style is uh, wildly, initially came from a, a strange, strange dream that I had where I imagined paper dolls dancing for a music video we were making. Um, and I wandered into a room with Hannah and uh, Heather and uh, had told them about this idea about these sort of paper doll cutouts dancing around uh, and said, I had no idea how to do that. And they miraculously figured out how we might animate something like that. So our style has become this thing where we shoot with live actors uh, against the green screen, uh, do a rough digital edit, and then literally print them out frame by frame and cut every individual doll out and then hannah takes them into a magical animation world and and reanimates them frame by frame yeah amazing where did yeah. the idea come for from uh for dick pics um are you a big sender of them or a receiver <laughs> uh no although i everybody that i know at least most women and many men have gotten at least one in their lifetime. Um, but that was kind of the question on our brains is uh, people keep getting them, but nobody says that they like them. Why are they continuing to be sent? You know, like what is the motivation? What, you, what is the sender getting out of that? So we decided to take that to the internet and ask people up front why they do what they do. Um, and we got some really interesting responses back, and that's uh, everything that contrib contributes to what happens in dick pics. Animation has always represented the latest of technology, be it from the flip book to the um, the magic lantern to Steamboat Willie, and now we've got like 3D graphics and background and that type of thing. How does technology play a role in how you tell your stories? and how you animate uh, your films? That's a super interesting question, actually. I think uh, just from like a tech standpoint, we're using like pretty old cameras. We're using a Canon 7D to do the image capture for the animation. Um, but we're, we have multiple stages where we're green screening, um, we're using a, like a 4K Ursa to shoot the uh, initial footage, uh, using Premiere to edit. So it's like this bizarre amalgamation of digital and analog technology, but ultimately we're still like 
building miniature, essentially dollhouses and working very tangibly with an object for every individual frame. So I think it's like kind of this trying to mishmash between the hyper analog and sometimes the very like DIY digital together. Awesome. Great answer. Um, <clears throat> so do you see um, what is the next new wave of animation coming down the pipe that in your, and like, what have you been working with lately uh, that you think is going to be like the future of animation and or. I hope people just keep getting really weird with animation because it's such a, it has the potential for that to do strange, magical, surreal things. We've been sequestered away, luckily quarantined in the same place, uh, working on a existential Western for Jeff Marslett, who's in Dick Picks, actually. We actually shot his segment at the Oxford Film Festival last year. I shot it for you. You shot it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a beautiful segment. You did a great job. Thank you. I'd <laughs> like to say that Dick Picks are near and dear to my heart. Uh, oh, as a sender or receiver? <laughs> as a film. Oh, 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 as a film. Got it. Got it. What is your favorite cartoon or the animated film that made you want to be an animator? Uh, there's High Dive Bunny, the uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon, where he keeps tricking Yosemite Sam into going off the high dive instead of him. It's like slapsticky and absurd and yeah. I think that was my first love, Mary, love, love of animation. Mary Melodies is the reason why my generation is semi-cultured, right? We yeah. Know about <laughs> music and opera. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah, I don't know if I have one. I've like really never imagined myself as an animator or uh, until working with Hannah. And Hannah, like from the very first moment we met, was talking about animation and like wanting to work for an animation company, even when she started working with with me. Uh, and that wasn't really something that we did, but it's something that we talked about a lot. And then as the opportunities presented themselves, we just kind of started figuring out how we wanted to approach it for one project. And then that turned into two and then three and then now like five or six. Um, so it's become almost the bulk of what we've done over the last Couple, couple years, years now, at least, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, wasn't something that at least I started out thinking that we were going to be doing. But yeah. I'm very happy that we are. It's such a, a magical place to do absurdist work. Yeah, I think animation really has a lot of potential for play, and you know, you forget that seeing a lot of what's coming out now. You know, they they try to click through a storyline as budget friendly as possible. Like, I love DreamWorks movies, but they are especially guilty of this, where it's plot point, plot point, plot point, plot point, and, um, and there isn't really any play with the form or what the characters can do, and it's, it's fun to see other people's work kind of pushing up against that, and I guess that's where I would hope that animation goes, or it already it exists, yeah. but... Uh, a bigger version of doing that. Yeah, that goes right into my next question, which was, <clears throat> what is the advantages of animating versus uh, live uh, capture? Yeah, 
I think we're doing both. I mean, like we're trying to take, at least I'm, I'm hoping that we're taking some of the advantages of live capture, having live actors, having recognizable bodies, uh, and then throwing them into this animated world where you can then take those actual human bodies and force them to do things and encounter things and people that would never be possible on a live only set. Um, and for me, a lot of that is, is about like absurdism, surrealism play, like Hannah was saying, uh, really trying to push the limits of, of what makes sense on screen. Keep animation weird. I could not agree with you more. Uh, what better place than the world of animation to let your imagination go free. Our next guest is Deborah Pinkney. Hello, Deborah. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about your film, Gotcha? Alright, so Gotcha is a short animated film about a little girl who goes on a quest to take back something that is rightfully hers. Um, it's a little bit of adventure, a little bit of comedy, all smashed up into one little heartfelt story. It's such a cute, heartwarming story. How would you describe your animation style? Well, I'm primarily a 2D uh, character animator. So basically that I want to exper experiment more with um, how I can use 2D to push things a little bit more than I have in the past. Um, but 2D character animator. <laughs> Right. That's the, that is my, that's the style I grew up with. And so I guess it's my favorite, you know, um, what type of technologies do you use to achieve your animation? So, um, I mostly work on a Cintiq and Toon Boom Harmony has been my main program for animating. Uh, that's why I learned in school. That's the one I'm most comfortable with. Uh, and I've also used the Adobe programs like Photoshop for like my backgrounds, uh, After Effects to do some editing, Premiere to put it all together. So basically the uh, software and systems that I used back in school are still like my go-tos. Your um, stories that you come up with, um, where do you usually source your materials or where do you get your inspirations from i get a lot of information from like silly ideas that just pop into my head one day or um i'll watch a show and i'm like "Ooh, that's a really fun element i want to do that one day like gags and stuff i'm like "Ooh, how can i do that in my own way or um i growing up i always created stories and did a lot of drawings so i'm used to just pumping out various ideas um, at what I would like to say an alarming rate that I can't keep up with. <laughs> what was your favorite cartoon or animated film that made you wanted to be an animator? That's really hard to say. Um, I think I'm more like Russell where I don't really have a single one. I just grew up like consuming animation throughout my childhood. Uh, I think one of the shows that really inspired me uh, was Kim Possible. Because uh, she was always, I really like hero stories, and she was just an ordinary girl, and she was cool. Um, and actually, some of the backgrounds inspired some of the background designs in Gotcha. So is that circle. what inspired you to become uh, an animator? Was 
already used the form of animation is the infinite possibilities of storytelling yes the the infinite ways of showing a story showcasing i always love the colors the motion um just that factor that like live action just couldn't quite attain um there's there's no limits and like it really helps push a story in a unique way that sometimes live action isn't able to achieve. What's the uh, next project you're going to be working on? I'm currently, it's not animated, but I am currently working on illustrating a book right now. Um, last year I was working on a small ad for a club in California. Um, and there might be a sequel animated ad for that as well. So small little projects, mostly working on my portfolio. Well, it's great to hear that you're keeping yourself busy, and we look forward to seeing more of your work. Our next guest is Ashley Gerst, and she brought us the film Spirit Scene. We've been having a little bit of problem with her connection, uh, just to make sure. Ashley, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Welcome to the podcast. Could you tell me a little bit about your film, The Spirit Scene? So The Spirit Scene is a film I've worked on for, actually, at this point, um, at the point that I had finished it, it had been over five years. Uh, it's inspired directly by my relationship with my maternal grandfather. Uh, he passed away in 2013, and so I started working on the film as a, a kind of an homage to his memory and our closeness. I, he would be, I would say, one of my closest family members, and I grew up uh, with him. I lived with him and my grandparents, or I lived with my grandparents and my mother growing up. So he was like a second father figure. So I wanted to do something that was kind of nostalgic about his life growing up in Appalachia, yet also nostalgic about my memories with him. And I know um, just from background, because we had actually selected this film twice. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened in 2019? Um, and sort of what happened with your film and then to be able to finally bring it out in 2020. Um, in 2019, it ended up having some issues with hair dynamics. The uh, girl in the film has over 3,700 hairs on her head that are uh, dynamically animated. I also chose not to go with uh, what would be traditional hair dynamics where her hair looks like hair. It looks... Um, I wanted it to have a, a cardboard or a kind of more tactile yarn-like feel to it. Um, and that just posed an insane amount of problems, which caused me to have to halt production on finalizing the film in order to fix the hair and then go back into uh, actually finishing it. Absolutely. And, and what really draws you to the animation genre? I've I've always been extremely drawn to the animation genre but one of the things that i i love the most about it is that it's just it the possibilities within animation are absolutely endless the limit within animation is the animator themselves that's and that animator's skill skill level and not even skill level actually but i would say the animator's um creativity and imagination Whatever you want to do as an animator, you can make happen. 
what type of technology do you use to create your animations and how does that uh, inform the stories that you tell? Oh, uh, so I use a wide variety of materials, a good mixture between um, 3D characters that I use Autodesk Maya typically for, uh, although my next film is going to be 2D. And then the uh, all of the effects are two dimensionally animated. So like in the, in the spirit seam, it would be water, coffee, um, any kind of more liquid like effects, the glitter all completely 2d animated. And then the backgrounds are a mixture of 3d printed interior sets in order for me to uh, customize the furniture. And they're all dollhouse scale. Uh, so they could work with um, like typical, like dollhouse setup with like models and things like that. And then the exteriors are, uh, kind of hand sculpted uh, to be more uh, miniature train set. It's actually technically HO scale, uh, miniature train set scale. And those are all made out of a mixture of like foam, uh, fabric, uh, yarn, and uh, knitted pieces. What was your favorite cartoon growing up and uh, or the animated movie that inspired you to become an animator and to tell your stories using animation? <laughs> oh, great question. Um, actually, I'd have to echo Hannah in just Looney Tunes in general. I don't really have um, one particular uh, one that I that stands out to me, but I absolutely love Looney Tunes and growing up that was a huge passion for me to be an animator. And one of the reasons was, was uh, especially Daffy Duck. He is amazing. I love how much of a jerk he is. And yet we all still love him. And it just says something for an animator's ability to turn this character into such a, an odd, interesting creature that we all have opinions about. And so that, that was a huge passion push for me. Yeah, the way that uh, imaginary characters can articulate emotions uh, so effectively. Um, you can love to hate Daffy Duck, you know. Um, it's one of the most powerful parts about animation. Melanie, you want to open it up for a group discussion? I, I thought we could just talk about uh, sort of the next, what we see, the future forecast of animation and especially during this pandemic time, because it is something that people could be doing at home and sort of maybe next steps for animation. I think one thing that is uh, lovely about animation is that it can be, I mean, it's kind of often inherently solitary anyway. Um, so in this sort of current cultural climate where we're all quarantined and sheltering indoors, it is something that you can be doing I just went out and played with some construction paper the other day, animating colors, and it's very therapeutic. It's very nice. Um, I don't know that there that I foresee like huge narrative shifts or anything, but it it certainly is something that continue to can continue to chug along, even though you know like live action sets need to be shut down for obvious reasons right now. Oh, okay. Um... So I've noticed a huge shift in how people work in New York City. You know, everybody's been working from home. But one thing I've also noticed is that animation is still continuing on the same path. There's a little bit of a delay with a lot of like TV shows and things like that. A lot of shows here are kind of like delaying their 
uh, release, especially um, their season finales and things like that. Movies are kind of delaying, but you know, people still seem to be working fairly steadily and studios had to do a pretty big shift into switching to uh, working remotely, but everything is kind of working well. And I've, one thing I want to see and I'm hoping to see is a lot more personal work kind of come out from having a bit more of this time where, especially here, you know, we're, we're kind of encouraged to stay inside um, and not even really partake too much in being outdoors in general right now. And so I'm hoping that maybe we'll see a lot more content for next year's film festivals, just from people being at home, being talented, and also having access to cheaper, freer software. Um, I've noticed a lot of software packages are giving out like longer free trials and things like that. So hopefully that'll open up a lot of possibilities. Yeah. And I've noticed, you know, Sundance is doing its collab classes for free for everyone. There's all these, you know, outlets right now that aren't normally there, um, which I think could be a really exciting turn of events for sure. Thank you. So we've had a lot of extra screen time lately. What have you guys been spending your time watching and do you have any recommendations for us? I've actually not had a lot of time to watch anything because sadly I've been working retail and <laughs> I've been working during this whole pandemic. But um, I have recently gotten to Glitch Text on Netflix. I still have to finish it, but I started it and it looks a lot of fun and I love really fun, zany characters and designs. So I'm excited to get back into it once I finally have time. Yeah, I um, just saw uh, that IndieWire mentioned that they're releasing a four hour documentary on Hayao Miyazaki, which I'm very excited about. That's what my son and I watch all the time. So not animation, but about animation. I have a two-year-old, uh, and so we've been, like, all of our screen time, it feels like, has been watching two-year-old-appropriate Disney movies, uh, which which is actually very lovely. Uh, and I don't, I think of, of the ones that we've watched so far, I was, like, really excited. We just watched uh, the old Alice in Wonderland last night, and realizing, like, re-watching that and having it surprise me as much as it did as a kid was really super pleasurable. Uh, and it's so strange and so surreal, especially that opening 15 minutes. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of yeah. nice to go back with an adult's eyes and see what really works in those older films and what you're like, oh, my God, why did you do this? You know, yeah. and kind of think about it more as uh, like what your own taste is in terms of animation rather than just oh, well, it's Disney, you know, of course, like anything that they do is fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was a big, uh, like, Sword in the Stone, uh, Fox and the Hound, all of those. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. it was when I had a kid, then it was like, oh, I get to rewatch all these again and not feel weird about it. <laughs> yeah. And there are all those jokes you missed the first time around. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's all, oh, this is made for grownups, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a suggestion for the two-year-old to watch. Yeah. Yo Gabba Gabba. It's painless to the parents and awesome for the kids. Is it? I haven't I haven't dived in that hole yet. 
you you want it it is so good okay all right it's so good like it's a bunch of just high-end musicians working together to make like uh art music pieces that teach you good lessons on how to be a good person you know it's amazing oh cute that sounds great i have been actually kind of struggling for something to watch i feel like i've um i've been trying to watch westworld and kind of try to binge watch season two, thinking I'd understand it to a greater extent. And I didn't. <laughs> so uh, that's been one that I've been focusing on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, I've just uh, War of the Worlds, that new, um, I think it's on Epics. That's been pretty good. And I've been kind of enjoying that, although maybe a little too close to home with the kind of apocalyptic feelings or vibes. Yeah, I didn't realize they released a new series about that. It's an it's an interesting take on it because it takes place um, in Europe as opposed to the United States. Ooh, I'll have to check that out. All right, Matt? I've been watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, one of my favorite movies ever. And Terry Gilliam was their animator. Uh, for the Flying Circus and their uh, movies after that. And it's very, it's like, I love his style and how it's all handmade. And it adds so much to Monty Python as a whole. Hey, while we're here, does anyone have any questions for each other about their films? Yeah, um, actually, Hannah and Russell, I saw that... Um your animation also utilizes a lot of dollhouse backgrounds. Um, can yeah. can you ex explain a little bit more of that in like greater detail? Like, do you composite it together in After Effects or um, with like photography, or you know, how do you go about um, putting that together? Uh, it's a miniature three D set, so we go out and find, build and find. Uh, tiny 3D versions of everything we need. So for Dick Picks, we built a tiny 3D farmer's market uh, with, you know, one twelfth scale fruit canopies and fruit and uh, bicycles and walkways and all that sort of thing. And then the 2D dolls are put into that set and photographed uh, 12 times a second uh, for our kind of the 2d on 3d world effect yeah there are there are a couple there are some moments where there's like some compositing that's going on where hannah will shoot some of the characters against glass and then we'll uh i'll go and shoot the uh the backgrounds of the world and then uh, c composite them just very simply in uh premiere but the yeah, very cool uh, quite a lot of our uh, our workflow is actually like full on stop motion animating them on armatures in the micro world. Oh, that is amazing. I love that process. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> and also it's tedious. It's fun and crazy making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have mad respect for stop motion animators. I do not know how to do it technically. <laughs> and oh my God. Well, we were joking, like, when we first started it, the reason why this specific approach, like, became a thing that we can do is because, like, I definitely can't draw to save my life. Yeah. Like, that is not a thing that is a part of mine. I'm so amazed by people who can. But we can print. Yeah, we know how to print things. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, part of animation is just finding the clever way of going about things as well. Oh, definitely. Not just visually. So don't be discouraged yeah. if you can't draw or a circle. Uh, you can still be an animator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a slot for you yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder, um, maybe... There's kids at home or families at home or maybe new artists out there at home that are don't know how to get into animation. What's a really good first step for them to try? So I actually, I teach animation at uh, a couple of colleges in the New York and New Jersey area. And I say start with just making something, anything and you know, it's okay if it isn't good, you don't have, or, or you don't like it, because it is probably good. It's just more you don't like it. And if that's the case, you don't have to show it to anybody, but it's still really good practice. I think a lot of the time when we start animating something, we feel like it needs to be or become that thing. And part of, and I, I'm sure that everybody here can attest to this, is that, um, and I said that originally I had planned on uh, finishing my film earlier than I did. And I ended up having to go back and rebuild something entirely. Like that's an example of something where I spent a lot of time making content that never made it to the, to the screen or never made it beyond uh, my office uh, and my computer. And so just making stuff and getting comfortable with making stuff, even free options, you know, for free 3D, there's Blender, there's free 2D software, uh, free apps, uh, Procreate, um, you know, a whole variety of stuff that, you know, the lots of open doors for you. It's great. I, yeah. I also think there's nothing wrong with going back to like basic, um, notepad, like, you know how, like you always doodled like a circle, a bouncing ball and like the margins of like, um, a notebook or something, something small like that, even if you don't have, uh, like the technical resources of fancy computers and stuff, that's always a way of starting. And it's something fun and simple and you can flip it and be like, Ooh, it moves. So. <laughs> yeah. I remember as a kid, I felt like magic. So. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I just echoing exactly the same things. I mean, when, when I was really little, I, uh, I have not connected these two until right now, but I used to make a ton of stop motion animated uh, shorts with my little JVC camcorder. <laughs> uh, and it would just be like, you know, take a frame of that gnome driving in a red convertible and then move it a little and do it again and spend hours doing that. And then, mm -hmm. set, it yeah. and then set it on fire because I was a little boy. So it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think those are, I mean, those are like good practices for animation, but also just good, I think, practices for kids for learning about how you put shots together and what edits are and you know, how you go about constructing something that's legible outside of your own brain. So, but for concerned parents, you could watch them or not let them set something on fire. <laughs> I mean, yes, truly, truly. Fire may be a bad call. <laughs> that's a little advanced for them, you know? That's Right. Right, yeah. Then their second film, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the hang of the camera first before yeah. you start playing with any sort of dangerous equipment. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. Matt, do you want to wrap us up? Sure. I'd like to thank you guys for joining us today and telling us all your tricks and techniques. Thank you for having uh, 
me. It was really nice getting to know a few other artists and animators here. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing your work. Yeah, I'll just echo that. It's lovely to to hear about you guys' work as well, Ashley and Deborah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I agree. It's great talking to other animators, especially in a time where I don't get to talk to any other creatives, since my household is doesn't understand it. So it's a nice break from all this crazy. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure speaking with you guys as well. Um, I really enjoyed this, and hopefully we get to do it again soon. Well... That's a wrap on another episode of Off to the Movies. I'd like to thank my co-host Melanie, our guests, Bill Perry Jr. for the great theme song. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for showing up and listening to us every week. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to find out more about our guests, their films, our virtual film festival, Please visit us at OxfordFilmFest.com or on any social media at Oxford Film Fest. And remember, no matter how long it takes, someday, somehow, somewhere, I'll see you at the movies.